Welcome, everyone, to Keep Talking, and I am Betty Collins, your podcast host. This week's episode is number five, and I've made a few small changes, just small. Just, for instance, the title song provided by Anchor, the podcast platform. Who knew I was going to find a song called Keep Talking, and it fits perfectly. So on today's show, I really want to talk about the wonders of nature. This has been an absolutely beautiful week on our island. It is, of course, getting into the second week of August. So beautiful, in fact, that on Thursday evening past, while I was stargazing, I felt compelled to record a small, just a small piece and I wanted, I wanted to actually put it out there on Thursday night. And then I thought, no, it's going to fit beautifully into this week's recording. So just have a listen. The wind is almost imperceptible. Almost. It is 10 minutes past nine. And it is Thursday night, August the 6th, and I'm sitting on my deck in the dark because I'm pretty sure I'm looking at Venus in the south. I'm looking towards the south of our city. It's about 17 degrees out, and... I know there are people who today have really felt the heat because we, it was very, very hot in our city today. Oh yeah. <laughs> My kind of heat. I do like this heat. And it, it's not the kind of heat you can work in because it's just too heavy. The air is really heavy with humidity. So I figure I'm just, I used to tell my mother I was born on a ship in the Caribbean. I don't belong here. <laughs> so um, I guess because I like the heat so much, I've probably proven it true. And I'm not speaking very loud because my husband is in, I think there's a hockey game on or some such. I'm, I'm, I'm not a sports fan at all. So I've just decided it's such a gorgeous, gorgeous night. I just come out here and listen to the wind. And I love, we, we've got a lot of trees. I don't know if you can hear them. If you, like, to me, if when I close my eyes, I can almost hear the ocean. So, what's the difference between the sound of the trees blowing and the ocean? Really? Nature. Isn't it beautiful? Ah, oh, have a fabulous night, everybody. Because it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. So I did learn on Friday that it was Jupiter, not Venus, that I was watching. And it matters not, really. It doesn't matter what the name of the, the, the beautiful planet or star I'm looking at is. It was absolutely amazing. I do love this time of the year and all the colors and the warmth available to us all. The different colors in the sky. 
You know, you get up in the morning and you see that lovely blue sky and throughout the day the blue changes. You know, it'll vary, it'll get lighter, it'll get darker depending on the sun and the clouds and then we get into the deep ink black of the night sky that's just just a smattering of stars because we've got so much light pollution around but even even with the light pollution the amount of stars that are available right now even with like i said all this light pollution just look up the way the planets are all lined up you can just see it it's incredible and i love the the different the vivid colors of the sunrises and the sunsets and how they move from yellow to pink to orange and that the violet and the red and then we look around you just 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 look around you when you're outside at all the beautiful different greens just green for instance the greens of the trees and the bushes and the grasses and then all you've we've got all those beautiful flowers the wild flowers beautiful wild flowers and, and the cultivated ones as well, just people's gardens as you're walking by. What about the oceans and the lakes and the rivers with the blue greens and the turquoises and the sun sparkling off the water? Like Mother Nature is so incredibly beautiful. The colorful birds, the butterflies, and it's all nature. It's all natural. And it's the best, most inexpensive stress reliever in the entire world. It's what nature is. And as far as I'm concerned, that's what it's put there for. If for any reason we're not able to readily available of our natural world, like if you're, if you're in a situation where you can't get outside, you can actually create that beautiful natural scene, a beautiful scene of nature with your mind your own secret, sacred space in nature. That's all yours, seen by no one if you prefer it that way. A special place in your mind to go to when this old, old world becomes just too much to bear. You can take yourself there whenever you feel the need and leave all your troubles there to go back to when the time comes, when it, you know, when it comes time. To bring that, whatever it is, left in that place up. To get rid of it, and you just go back in there all on your own. No one has to know you're even doing it. And another thing I love about nature is that it will never talk back, or it will never tell you what you did wrong. Mother Nature is happy to take all you give her and send back only love in return. But she does have her moods just like us. Sometimes the rain that we get here feels downright angry. Yet, at other times, it feels soft and soothing and cleansing. And for those of us who experience the strength of hurricanes, for those of you who, who feel the strength of tornadoes, doesn't it feel like whew, Mother Nature's wrath? And for as much as I'm not a winter soul, we've had some absolutely beautiful winter days. The sun sparkling off that pure white snow. Nature never ceases to amaze me, ever. 
On this island in the North Atlantic, we are so incredibly blessed with resources and the most natural beauty. A lot of people come to our, our island or used to before the, the pandemic from all over the world just to see the icebergs and the whales. This island is full, full of natural beauty. You know, we've got the um, Rosemore Nas National Historic Park. It's on the west coast of the island with its fjords and it's like the whole, this whole island just amazes me in its beauty. It's absolutely beautiful. Many of us Newfoundlanders, um, when we talk about seasons, who are born and bred here, we generally laugh about the seasons and say, we got two seasons by here in Newfoundland. We got winter and we got this. <laughs> what is this? Well, this is a combination of spring and summer. Uh, because sometimes the temperatures are low enough that it feels springish, but it's yet it could be the middle of July, the middle of August. And there are times in the spring when it feels like summer. So that's why we call it this. And then, of course, winter. But I have noticed in traveling across the across the island, the, sorry, the country, so here in the east, it seems like our fall starts later than it does on the west coast of Canada. My brother in Vancouver Island, actually, I've noticed I was out there for a visit in August, September, um, a few years ago now. But there, I noticed in late August, the trees were turning already. Whereas here in Newfoundland, they don't usually start to turn until about October. Um, so what if we flip it around, so our, our fall starts later than the west coast of Canada. But when we flip that over, the west coast of Canada's spring starts a lot earlier than we do here. And than it does here on the island. Um, in particular, again, you know, my brother, he's on Vancouver Island. We've had, he's had vegetables growing when I've had a 12-foot iceberg on our lawn. And of course, I, I call it iceberg for a specific reason. Because our winter generally consists of snow followed by rain, followed by a deep freeze, and then more snow and more rain and even more frozen. So that you get this accumulation. The cities do an, an amazing job of clearing our roads, but where do they put the snow? The snow ends up on our lawn, literally building icebergs. So, you know, with each rainfall, that gets packed down tighter, then it freezes. Then, so in, in most of the rest of the world, at least the northern countries, winter generally begins in November and starts with a skim of snow, just a little bit of dust. And these same places may see only that as winter, you know, just a few skims of snow. And, you know, we hear, it's funny because we hear on the island when we hear of major cities closing down because they've had four centimeters of snow or, you know, you've had 10 centimeters of snow, so the city's shut down. It's like, ah, boys, listen, 10 centimeters of snow is nothing else. We're used to that. However, we have seen, we have seen winters when that don't, really don't start till the end of January. We, uh, Newfoundland in particular, is, it's an interesting place because we've got, we've got two different um, systems of water. So we have the Labrador Current, which runs down the east coast of Newfoundland. 
Then we've got the, hmm, we've got that, the warm water that comes up from the Gulf, the Gulf Stream, I'm hearing my dad tell me. So we've got the Gulf Stream and the Labrador Current, and sometimes it switches. It'll, it'll change over, so the Gulf, Gulf Stream is closer to the island than the Labrador Current. And when, when the Gulfs, when, when we're feeling the heat from the Gulf Stream, that's generally coming from Bermuda. And when we, when I hear of these hurricanes in Bermuda, I'm like, oh, I, I hope there's no, no damage to properties, but please send us the heat, because that's where we get it from. And hey, I'll take it any day, any day. So, you know, when we get back to all the different seasons and whatnot, you know, I've, se I've seen winter days that are beautiful and warm, you know, you, well, when I say warm, 10 degrees Celsius, and the sun is just shining on the snow, so it looks so pretty. I'm, I'm definitely not a winter soul. I, I far prefer summer, and I far prefer the heat, um, so much so that <laughs> I... I talk about wanting to live in a coconut tree in Barbados. And people say, in a coconut tree. How can you live in a coconut tree? Well, my little, my tiny house, my little tiny house is going to be built way up high and it will surround a coconut tree so I can have a fresh coconut whenever I want. Because it's going to be right in the middle of my house. <laughs> so, um, all this talk about nature and all this talk about, you know, the things that we can do in nature and, and what nature can do for us. What in heaven's name does that have to do with today's guest? Well, by nature, today's guest, Ruby White, is a gentle, loving, caring very powerful woman so it is quite natural for us to have a chat about her work and the many fascinating modalities she's learned and have now become i believe quite natural to her so stay tuned everybody. So today I'm sitting here with my friend Ruby. And Ruby has a lot of modalities, a lot. So I talked about modalities in the first podcast. And of course, modalities are anything that's healing, anything that's helpful in the metaphysical field or, or in the medical field. So Ruby, Hi. how are you today? Hi, I'm, I'm good, thank you. It's good to be here, actually. Yeah, it's really good to see you. It's nice to see you as well. So I know some of the things you do. I know I know quite a few of the things you do, but people who are listening don't know. Okay. So tell me what you, who you are and what you do. 
Okay, well, uh, I'm Ruby White, if people are wondering what my last name is. <laughs> yeah. um, so I am a clinical counselor. I have a master's degree in social work. So I went to Memorial University uh, and got a bachelor of social work degree mm-hmm. in, two, in, a, in 2001. So I went, when my children were quite young, as a single mom, I went to wow. university. Yeah, yeah, and that, <clears throat> it had its challenges, but, you know, I kept going because I wanted a better life for, for me and my children. Sure. And then after uh, I graduated in 2001, I worked for a couple of years on the West Coast, out around Port Port Peninsula okay. as a foster care worker and, um, and did some child protection, let's say. And then I uh, went to the United Kingdom for a year. And so that was an experience in itself. See, I didn't know that. Yeah, I went for a year and, uh, and I did more of the foster care work and wow. stuff. And I decided then I wanted to do more. Yeah. So I applied for for the master's program. Okay. And I got accepted. And so then I moved back with, with my daughter. It was just my daughter and I had gone. Yeah. And uh, I moved back to St. John's and I did my master's in one year. Because you have the option of doing it in a year, three semesters, or, you know, yeah. a year. Yeah. Or, you know, over two or three years. Yeah. I, wanted, I didn't work. I did full time. Yeah. One year. Yeah. Mm. And so then I got the uh, advanced clinical practice, my master of social work degree. Oh, and that cool. was in, t- in 2005. Oh, I graduated okay. with that. So, you know, I've done a lot of different things, you know, working in hospital settings. Uh, after that, working with the injustice, family justice, and then working now currently with the, with the military, with national defense. I work with military. Yes. So that's my clinical stuff. And I do a lot of uh, counseling and you name it. Depression, anxiety, trauma. Okay, there's um, there's a question. Yes. There's, there's a question. You just said the word. Sure. Trauma. Yeah. So when you say the word trauma, mm-hmm. clinically, in a clinical setting, what what actually is trauma? What's considered trauma? So, and, and I'm asking for anybody who, I don't know, tripped up in the sidewalk and fell down. Mm-hmm. Is that considered trauma? That can be considered trauma because everybody... <sighs> Everybody's different, of course. Yes. And uh, depending on circumstances and coping and different things, um, people uh, process things at di- in different ways at different levels, different times. And sometimes, you know, even falling and tri- tripping up on the sidewalk, you know, that could be, you know, hey, you got injured. Maybe you didn't get injured. But maybe it was uh, brought back a memory of something of when you were younger and something happened. Uh-huh. And that kind of, kind of just kind of uh, fed into that. And maybe it was the feeling of feeling shame because people were looking at you as you trip. So people can, f- because trauma is something that uh, it uh, it affects you deeply in an emotional way. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so when people are, when they say, "I feel like I, I feel traumatized," what's happening is um, their their body and their brain is trying to um, make sense of what happened. And and so um, I say to people. When they say, what's wrong with me? There's nothing wrong with you. It's your body reacting normally to a situation that's happened to them that that would be an abnormal, like a car accident or tripping up and people looking and laughing or just being ridiculed or abuse or, you know, in seeing things like in war or experiencing things yourself, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you can be the bystander looking who can be traumatized. Yeah. Somebody else who's experienced. Like you, you see a car accident. Yes, that person can also experience trauma. Wow. Yeah. So it's 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 almost like, uh, you know, our body gets kind of like a jolt, almost like it's it's like um, 
wow, what just happened? Do we go into protective? Well, you know, and we and we often do. And and the thing about it is, like I said, everybody's different. Some people will process and say, you know what? Yeah, that happened. I'm good. You know, they talk about it. And the good thing is that if people, the more that people can talk about something, the better it is for them. Yes. Oftentimes what happens is people will go into protective mode because the brain is good at protecting. Yeah. Right. And we all will not want to talk about it. If the memory comes up, we'll push it out. Sometimes people feel that they're, they maybe they feel some shame around something or they maybe feel them. Yeah. It could be some embarrassment, fear. It could be a whole bunch of things. Yeah. So people won't talk about it. And so it kind of gets stuck. Mm. And it's like a loop. It'll go around and around, maybe in your head. Makes right? sense. And, and like a train on a track. So uh, one of one of the uh, therapies that I do is called EMDR. Now, what is that? So that's eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. So oh, it's a long smoke. word, so that's why we call it EMDR. It's, uh, yeah, what it's is- highly, uh, it's peer-reviewed. It's evidence-based. Um, and it works well with people who are who are experiencing trauma. It works well with anxiety and depression too, but trauma it's really good for. And so basically, it's the the modality um, uh, gets the person in a place where the both sides of the brain are communicating. Okay. And so um, what happens is, you know, the left side is the feeling and the emotion, and the other technique, if you want to look at it, that yeah, way, yeah, just yeah, yeah. in those terms. And the other side is like the uh, the logical stuff. Okay. And so what's happening <clears throat> with EMDR, it, it allows you to get your emotions and your thoughts to communicate. And so to blend it. Because oh. so, when, stu- when we're in our thoughts, going around and around the loop, yeah. we're only thinking. And we won't allow ourselves to feel anything. True. Right? Yeah. And so part of this therapy is to allow you to bring it up. So when you have the thoughts. So EMDR will bring you back to that time. It'll be a target of that, maybe that traumatic experience. Uh-huh. <clears throat> in the beginning, there might be a little bit of a talking, you know, just to get the person into that place. And then it's more of the person's, I'm bringing them there, um, you know, and it's, uh, it can be eye movement. Nothing to do with the eyes, by the way, but, but people do the back and forth with their hand. And okay. the people follow with their eyes and their eyes going back and forth. is stimulating both, both sides of the brain. Ah. People will, I have sensors that I use where people hold it in their hands and they feel the vibrations in both sides, right? Wow. The same with uh, tones. I have tones where beep, beep, beep. So both sides. So both sides of the brain are stimulated. And it's getting it to communicate. That's wicked. So it's a space that I, I hold that space for people. They know and they're in full control all the time. Yeah. They can say, okay, I've had enough for today. That's, you know what I mean? It's all good. If I feel that they're really going off and they're really upset, I'll ground them. I'll bring them back and say, okay, you're here with me. You're in, you're with me here in the office. Mm-hmm. Open your eyes for a bit. Let's talk. So, <clears throat> and so basically what what happens over time is memories come up, feelings come up, all of this stuff, thoughts come up. And as they're processing, they're allowing it to come, allowing the feelings to come with it. Yeah. It's like, if you will, it's ener- to me it's energetic. And it kind of flows through you. It's like they're allowing it to come up and flow through them. Perfect. So the point of EMDR is so if they're at the highest upset they were at 10, it's yeah. called a, um, a symptoms unit of distress scale. Okay. So the highest, say the highest is 10, they're very upset. The... Um, 
the goal is to get them down to zero where it's neutral, Ooh. if they can. So they still have the memory. So somebody who was in a car accident or somebody who experienced something, they still have that memory, but they can think about it and not be, get really upset by it. What I call it, the take, it, it takes the sting off. Yes, it. yes, exactly. Okay. The other part of EMDR is to get the person to really focus on a positive thing about themselves. Because oftentimes when we're traumatized, we'll think all kinds of, and I, why didn't I do this? Yeah. I should have done yeah. this, and I'm not good, and I'm a lo- all this stuff. And so then I get them to say, before we get into the actual therapy, what is the positive thing you'd like to say about yourself? And they'll say something, and I'll say, how true does that feel? On a scale from one to seven. And that's a... Um, a scale where it's, it's a positive uh, validity of cognition. Okay. And so where one is completely false, seven is completely true. And then they'll scale that. And then the the goal is to get that to go up to a seven. Okay. Where they can say, yeah, like, yeah, I am a good person. Or, yeah, I did everything I could. You know what I mean? That's perfect. So that's the technical, you know what I mean? That's the part of it. But So, Ruby, have you been able to move anybody from a 10 to a a zero in one session? In one session, I have. Wow. Uh, That's huge. It just depends on the person, though. Sometimes people, it's it's kind of like a weird modality where there's not a lot of talking. And I'm getting them to sit with their thoughts and their emotions sure. as they're going through this yeah <clears throat> and then when something comes up like i'll stop after because i have the beeping going or something <clears throat> and i'll say what's coming up for you now i'll stop yeah i'll tell them to take a deep breath yeah and then i'll and i'll say let it out and then and with the breathing too it's helping to calm them right that's right and then i'll say what's coming up now and they'll report back they'll say i'm thinking this or i'm i'm so angry at this or i'm feeling so sad and sometimes i'll say nothing or whatever it is or they'll say I'm reading my grocery list, whatever it is. And I will say, go with that, and I'll turn it on again. I don't get into, <clears throat> well, when you say that, what does that mean? Or how, to, how to, okay, I don't yeah, do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Because then you're interfering with the process. That's true, yeah. So I just let them, yeah. And and it's 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 control over time. And then after so long, let's say they might move a little bit. They might not move at all. Or they might move down a little bit. And then we'll stop it for the day, and then we'll revisit it the next day. Oh, kind of okay. And they might move up a little bit in their positive feeling. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's certain things that sometimes people don't get to a zero where there's neutral. Yeah. Because there's probably something like maybe a child was hurt. Yeah. Well, that's a hard one. So when you think about a child being hurt, of course it's going to upset you. So you're not going to feel neutral about it. Mm-hmm. So, and I and I just work with the person. I go with the, wherever the person wants to go. So that's one of my modalities. That's excellent. A part of that, too, is also very spiritual because there's meditation involved with it. Yeah. So there's a lot of putting them in a uh, calm place in the beginning, their safe place. And it's all them reporting back. I'm not I'm not telling them where to go. I'm just holding the space and yeah. I'm asking them, what do you see? What are you feeling? Are you smelling? Any? And then I install that kind of okay. before the session so that they can go back to their calm place or they might have a name for it, home or wherever, whatever they yeah. say. Yeah. And then I can say, okay, let's go home or let's go, and they'll go there. Okay. Because it's kind of installed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then after that, it's a meditation at the end. It's a grounding. Nice. Yeah, I usually do a tree grounding or something like you're the tree, right? So it helps. Yeah. Ooh. So when I did th- when I did that training, yeah. I thought, wow, this is very spiritual. And the trainer say, said, said, make it your own. So I do. I incorporate a lot of my spiritual stuff in That's it in, so with regards to the meditation and allowing yourself to, to feel. And yeah, that's only one model. I have a lot of. Oh, I know you do. Therapies, clinical therapies, but yeah. We've been, we are, 
I've been lucky enough and the group that we, you and I are involved in mm-hmm. have been lucky enough to listen to your fabulous meditations oh, that just come thank straight you. from your heart. It does. Thank and, you so much. Oh, Ruby, it's just beautiful. Yeah. It's just yeah. beautiful. So yeah. when it comes to the other modalities now, yeah. like the meditation and all that kind of, and so the, the other big one I want to ask you about is dreams. Oh, yeah. Dreams. So, yeah. yeah. So you get, so I get a lot of people, what well, I do here. So I get a lot of people who say, oh, my God, you're not even going to believe what I dreamt last night. What do you think it means? Right, right. So I I did one of your course, one of your classes on dream, and I'm not going to go any further than that because I want you to talk about it. <laughs> I want you to talk about dreams. And so if somebody came to you and said, oh, my God, Ruby, what would you... What do you think of that dream? Like, is that prophetic? Am I going to murder somebody? Or It's interesting because uh, even in my clinical work that I'm doing now, people will come in and once they get comfortable, they'll say, well, I'm not going to tell you this, but you're going to think I'm crazy. Uh, and I'll say, try me. Or they'll say, it's kind of weird. I said, try me. Yeah. And then they'll tell me a dream. And I listen because uh, dreams are a beautiful aspect of who we are. And so... <clears throat> Dreams can be prophetic. It can be something that, you know, that is maybe going to happen or that's meant to be. Uh, dreams can be something that we've lived in the past or a path, even a past life. Cause I, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> dreams sometimes are just processing that day too. It may be something that happened that day or you watch okay. TV or you binge watch something like <laughs> I did and that you process it. Right. Yeah. And then you're, so it can be processing dreams. Uh, I, uh, they are your allies. So <clears throat> oftentimes people say I had a really, really bad dream. And I remember working with this one person who <clears throat> in her dream, it was so bad because she hated to go to sleep because she dreamed. Uh-huh. And, uh, and it was always the same reoccurring dream. Yeah. And so a reoccurring dream, just to add, is something that probably is something that's happened and your brain, your uh, body wants you to revisit it and bring it up and process it. Bring so, it up. Uh, so, okay, when you finish talking about this, i got to tell you about my re- recurring that's not recurring. Anymore okay. And why it's not. And so, anyway, she didn't want to... Uh, and so, one of the things about dreams is I never interpret a dream. Because if I interpret your dream, yep. I'm taking away your power. Thank you. You are, you are in charge of your own dreams, your own experiences, and, and many lifetimes, and this lifetime, you are the one who is in power of your own dreams. Yeah. So, <clears throat> if you said to me... Like I had this dream. What do you think? I'll say, well, what does it what does it mean to you? What do you think? What were you feeling when you woke up? Yeah. Right. And I wonder where that's coming from. Yeah. And then after all, I might say, does it is it something that happened? Can you relate it to something in your waking life? Uh, is it something that is in the dreams? Is it somebody that you know? So we'll kind of tease it through. And then I might say, and I'm not interpreting your from your but from my perspective, I might say, if it were my dream, I'd wonder. If such and such, I oh, wonder if okay. I, you know, if maybe I should be calling my sister. If it were my dream, is that something for? But it's not about me interpreting your dream. It's about me just saying, like, if I dreamt that, I wonder would it be something this way. But it just gets the person to explore more, to research it more. Ruby, what about these little books? Like, Mom always had a book, yeah. her go-to book for uh, interpret your dreams, kind of thing. So interpreting your dreams, I mean, I'm not poo-pooing that at all. I mean. Many people refer to the, they call it their dream Bible or a dream or, or act, interpretation, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. and that's fine. But the thing is, don't you take that take that at face value? Yeah. Because yes, if you dream about you know a wolf and you know the wolf is you know powerful and, and it's family and they're you know all of this stuff, 
that's beautiful to get all, and, and research the wolf. And the wolf is coming to you as medicine. So you research that. So you can read it. Sure you can about that. Oh, I dreamt of a wolf. What does that mean? Beautiful. But don't only think about that. Think about, hmm, what does it mean to me now? There you go. Because sometimes when people are writing these books, which are beautiful, but they're taken from maybe their perspective, I was going right? to say. Or maybe opinion. what from other people say, well, this is what I think it is. And that's good too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not, no harm in it. Look up, look it up. Oh, okay. Hmm. But research it some more. Well, I dreamt about that spider. Now I'm going to read it on spiders. Yeah, there you go. What, their habitat. What, do they, what does that mean? What is that message? Dig down. And the more, it's like, and I say to people, it's like you're doing research, little research. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And if you have a journal, you're writing the journal and the next day you write, you know, even if you, when you wake up and people say, oh my God, I'll, I'll forget it in the morning. So if you can wake up, if you wake up from the dream and you just jot notes, just something, jot note. Don't write the whole dream because you'll be awake then. Or you have a recorder. You can say in jot notes, you know, uh, color yellow, riverbank. I don't know, whatever. And then put it away and go back to sleep. Those little jot notes and words will jog your memory. I And I can actually attest to that mm -hmm. simply because I did your one of your dream courses. And one morning I woke up, it was like 3 a.m. And I was thinking, boxes, why am I dreaming of but we're putting these boxes together and some of them are empty and we're just giving them and there was two men with me. I have no idea who they were. And it was like, so I wrote down when I got up because I was on my way to the bathroom and just scrawled literally yes. boxes. Yeah. And when I woke up in the morning and looked at it, I remembered it. It was just like I was right in the middle of it again. Exactly. It should jog your memory. Yes. Wicked. Yeah. You know, and people will say, well, I don't dream. I haven't dreamed in years. <clears throat> we are dreaming because psychologically we all dream, but we, if there's stuff going on in our life, we don't remember that. Yeah. Like there's other stuff clouding our recall or whatever, yeah. right? So yeah. we might have a lot of stress or maybe stuff, whatever, um, sadness or whatever's going on. And so what I say is uh, one of the things about breaking that dream drought, and that's yes. Robert Moss's word. Dream I, I follow Robert okay. Moss. He's a beautiful uh, dream shaman, and oh, I'm a okay. shaman as well. You know that? Yes, I do know that. So, um, uh, And it's about when you wake up, even if you write down how you're feeling. When you wake up in the morning, how am I feeling? Am I sad? Am I scared? Am I happy? Write down your feeling. Was there a color? Mm, maybe there was a color. Blue. You know, even honor that. Even the other thing, honoring your dream. Wow, I dreamt about blue colors last night. Put on a blue scarf. Honor the dream. Ah. Dreams are your friends, right? And I want to talk a little bit about if we have time. You, oh, yes. Go Night ahead. Nightmares. People. Yes, please. Nightmares are scary. And let me tell you, I have, I have the vivid nightmares too. And sometimes I wake up and I'm like... I'll force myself to stay awake because I don't want to go back in the nightmare. I don't want to because it's so scary. And so that's the thing I'm working on now. I'm going to be honest. We all, we're always working on stuff yeah. at one thing or another. And, uh, but nightmares are really, if you can look at them as your friend, your ally, because nightmares are there to tell you something. So it's to bring up something on it, maybe like a past trauma. It could be something, uh, something that you haven't dealt with. It might be something you're not facing. Could it be a future trauma? Could be, right? Because also, you know, you know that we dream future things. And that's happened to me a lot as well. My recurring yeah. dream mm -hmm. was a dream of a house yeah. that had a staircase that was like there was a, it went up on the right and up on the left, big spiral staircase, and there would always be. I would always wake up in the dream at the foot of the stairs mm -hmm. or I'm looking down mm -hmm. to from the top level mm -hmm. and at the foot of the stairs if I woke up and I'm lying there I'm looking in a pool of like 
dirty, dirty water with fish heads and it just stank. And then there was one night I went, I was back in that house again and there was a body at the bottom of the stairs. Mm -hmm. Then there was another time I'd go up the stairs and, and I was in my grandmother's house which was downtown St. John's at the way back when, when I was when I was little. But Nanny's house had a, a bedroom in behind another bedroom. Right. So in some way, shape, or form, this house was representing my grandmother's bedroom. And there were areas, there were rooms that I'd go in, and and it was like, where, where is this leading to? And I, and I, and I would, it was like all over the place. So about five years ago, I went into a building. I was in absolute shock when I walked in the building because it was the exact same. And we went beautiful. down. We wow. went, we, uh, uh, wonderful. <laughs> what, I, I didn't find it wonderful because no. I was really creeped out. Yes, yes. And we, we ended up going downstairs in this building and I did not want to go downstairs. And, oh, come on, don't be so foolish. Go downstairs. We were down there for a couple of minutes. Two of the girls disappeared and it was like, where did they go? And I'm calling out to them and I couldn't find them. I said, I'm going back upstairs. Oh, yeah. And as I walked up the stairs, I'm touching the wall. And I'm going, there was a door here and 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 there was a door here. And the girl who was walking up behind me, because I walked right out of the building. Yes. I thought, okay, I've had enough of this because I've been in this dream before and I ain't going back. Done with this noise. Done with this, this noise, yeah. <laughs> She said to me, she said, do you realize that every single place you put your hand, there was a door frame at the bottom? Oh, wow. Yeah. So what? So to me, that that was a reoccurring dream, right? Yeah. So to me, this almost feels like it was some kind of a past life. Some kind of, uh, I, if, if it were my dream, right? That's what I would think. Oh, my God. But what do you think, though? Like when you... Went, I really wasn't sure. Right. But even when she said that to you, did it resonate at all? It when she did. Said, and what did you think right away when she said that to you? It was like, oh my God, I've dreamt of this. What I'm, I'm here for a reason. I just don't know what the reason is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now, now in retrospect, yeah, I'm figuring the reason was I was done with that. Okay. Yeah. That that's I don't need that dream in my head. Beautiful. Anymore. Have you dreamt it? No. Since? No. Not Beautiful. Since. You Not had, since. It had to come to fruition. So that so. What I'm feeling, like if it were my dream, yeah. if I were in that, right away I would feel like, okay, there's something that I need to have some closure to in this, it might have been a past life, right? That's, and this, it's an old building, and yeah. that's highly possible. Right, right. And maybe, because now you're not dreaming about it anymore. Not at all. Absolutely, yeah. Beautiful. Wow. Yeah. We? But you know, like dreams can be your your ally, and people sometimes, you know, want to avoid stuff. Yeah. And you know, people who are traumatized too, they don't want to dream. They no. don't want it. And so, of course... When, you know, I'm doing some work with them and stuff like that. And I'll tell them, like, you might have dreams, but allow it. Honor the dream. Yeah. I know it's scary. Uh, you know, write it down. Um, talk about it. The more you can talk to, to someone you trust, you know, the better it is for you. Yeah. Oftentimes when they process these things, the dreams start to subside. Right? Well, yeah. Because it's just stuff that needs to come up often, you know. There are many different reasons for dreams, but... You know what I'm what I'm seeing in my experience and stuff about them is that they are your they can be your friend. That's wicked. Yeah, as scary as it is, and and yeah, and it makes sense that yeah. when you say people don't want to go to right. sleep because I, well, I, I mean, quickly I had a, a quick dream one time, and when I went to sleep, it's like I woke up, got out of bed, and I went out of the room, and I was going up the stairs, and as I was going up the stairs, I saw myself coming down the stairs, and I said, nope, nope. No, nope, this is not happening. I ran in my dream. I ran back into bed and I covered up. And I'm no, nope, no, nope, and I woke up. 
man, it freaked me out. And I, I, would say. I didn't want to go back to sleep. No, I'm not going back to sleep. So what? So, and the other interesting thing is that when you're forcing yourself, when you're in a dream, it's like you're meant to dream it again because you can hardly keep your eyes open. Ah. It's like, oh, and you just can't hardly keep your eyes open and you fall back asleep. But from my perspective, it was about, there was a, a time in my life, there was something that I needed to face. Ah. And it's like I was going against myself. Okay. So that's what I got from it. It's like, I need to face this. I'm not facing it. I'm not seeing it, right? This universe really teaches us. It's beautiful. I wanted to tell you one more thing yes, about yes. trauma. Like, So trauma, as I said, is, is there's nothing wrong with you when, when you're traumatized. It's that your body is reacting, as I said, normally to an abnormal situation. So let's talk a little bit about stress. Okay. Stress. So There's an awful lot of stress in the world today. Yeah. So we're hard, hardwired, as you know, yeah. to fight or flight. Right. Right. So way back, yeah, that's how we survived, right? Yeah. So, so what's happening now though is that there's so much stress in the world. Okay. So so many things, so many things bombarding us, like energetically and everything that's going on. All this stuff that's happening now. All of this. Yeah. So when people are stressed, they have a lot of anxiety and they're stressed. They can be sitting in their comfortable living room in a comfy chair, drinking a cup, cup of tea. If they're stressed, the brain thinks you are in danger. So what happens is when you start thinking all these things is going around a loop, the brain, you're reliving it. You are because the brain thinks you're there. Yeah. So what the brain does then in order to get you ready to fight or flight because it thinks you're in danger, it relief, it releases the stress hormones. It releases cortisol. It floods your body with cortisol, adrenaline. Your heart is pumping. Some people throw up. They have stomach issues because the body is trying to empty itself because it needs to fight or flight. Yeah. You get shallow breathing because, you, you know, you you have to run. So everything is heightened. And that's the brain getting you ready to fight, to yeah. flee, or even to freeze, now they call it, right? Fight, flight, or freeze. Okay. But it's your brain uh, getting you prepared for that. And so when people say, oh, my, you know, I've got issues like with my bowels, I've got stomach issues, and I get heart palpitations, that's, the, that's because the, the body is flooded with these stress hormones. Wow. So what I do with people yeah. is I really get them to focus on deep breathing. Mm. And so what deep breathing does, you're breathing in deeply. And what I mean by deep, I mean it's like your diaphragm is filling and you're slowly breathing. So it's not just at your chest. People will deep breathe and they'll breathe at their chest. Yeah. It's just create, I do it creating. All the time. That creates more anxiety, though, at your chest. So it's allow, allowing your body muscles, like your stomach muscles, your diaphragm to relax. And when you breathe, even if you can picture it like a balloon, and when you're breathing in, your belly is expanding. Yeah. And you can feel the ribs and everything just in your mind. Push it out and focus on the breath as if it's going right into your belly. It's going into your lungs, but, it, you know, focus like it's going right into your belly and your diaphragm. So you breathe in, even starting out for the count to four, and then hold it for the count to four, and then breathing out. And honestly, even if you got to put your hands on your belly and kind of help it go back in as you're breathing out, and it almost feels like your belly is going back to your backbone. It's deep breathing. What it's doing, it's telling your brain you're no longer in danger. Excellent. Right? Yeah. So the brain thinks, okay, we're good now. The danger is past. I'm not going to release any more uh, stress hormones. All of that stuff is good. We're good. And so people become relaxed. And that's what happens. So breathing and the breath and deep breathing is so important. It is. You know? It is. And that's why I often do a lot of meditations as well with people in my clinical work. You know? Sometimes oh. they come in and they're so stressed out. And so 
I say, we're going to do a little meditation. Is that good? Oh, yes, please. And I get them grounded. So when they leave, they're like, they can hardly move their feet. And they're yeah. so relaxed, you know. <laughs> but um, because the brain now knows that we are good. We're not in danger anymore. Okay. Our brain thinks if, you know, in meditation, when I'm doing those guided yeah. meditations, yeah. the brain actually thinks you're there. Oh, I know. Right? Oh, oh, oh I, I do and know. And this is researched because athletes, People who are uh, in their mind, it's like they're rehearsing it in their brain, in yeah, their mind. Yeah. And so they'll see themselves, say a skier at the top of the hill. They can see them, they're on the top of the hill, they can see the skis, they see the snow around them. And, the, and in their mind, they're getting ready and they're practicing in their mind. Yeah. Well, it has shown that their body and their muscles and everything has reacted to that because the Same. brain thinks you're there. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. That's why I take people to nice, beautiful places and, you and do. calming places and... Yeah, because your brain, yeah. And so we're very powerful beings. Aren't we, though? And we can, you know, sometimes people may say, well, it's not. It's kind of difficult to slow down when you're really stressed out and stuff going on. I get that. Yeah, I do sometimes it's really hard, and I've been there. Mm -hmm. And so maybe it's just sitting quietly then. Just sit quietly. Yeah. Maybe take out, a, take out a notepad and say, okay, uh, my heart rate is really fast. I'm breathing deeply. Don't judge yourself. Ah, the that, other. That's where we get fooled. Because what happens is, when say we're having an anxiety attack, a yeah. panic attack. Yeah. Okay, our heart start starting to flutter. Uh, you know, uh, we're getting funny. Like we're you know yeah, everything is happening. We're sweating. Everything is happening. We're trembling. We're sweating. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes people will say, "Oh my God, what's wrong with me? I hate this. I don't want this. I don't want it." And uh, they might even say, I was doing so good, and now this is happening. I'm going backwards. You're not. Your body is just needing to bring this up for now. Honor it. Say, okay, I'm having this. All right. And breathe it through. If you can just breathe it through, don't judge yourself. It will pass quickly if you don't judge yourself. Because the more you judge, the tighter your body is going to get, the more stress you're going to be. You just explained everything that's been happening to my body. Because what you're doing is you're scolding yourself for yes. feeling this. yes. That's like yes. when people feel sad. And I say, allow yourself to feel sad. So if, you, if you're having a bad day, honor that. You're having a bad day. Yeah, that makes you sense. Know? When someone who say there's not, no other issues, I know for me too, like, I mean, there might be a day that's not a great day, and I'm like, oh, I'm not having a good day. I'll stay home and I'll take care of myself and yeah. I'll do what I got to do. I might have a bath. Yeah. I might go for a walk and meditate, all of that stuff. Someone who... Um, say is in therapy and they're doing so well they're doing well good days and they have a bad day they think they're going backwards they start scolding themselves I can't believe this what's wrong with me I thought I was getting better you are it's all part of the process your body is bringing it up for you to release it when, yeah when yeah. I when I was in therapy I remember driving up the road probably the third last time I went yeah. And I remember crying all the way up, thinking, I don't even want to be coming out here. What am I doing this for? <laughs> and you just explained it all. <laughs> yeah, so we scold ourselves. Right? Yeah. We scold ourselves for feeling sad. We scold ourselves for feeling like depressed or angry. And we shouldn't. No. It's a reason for it. Yeah. And if the anger is there, research it yourself. Like, why am I angry? What's going on? Yeah, there you go. Write it down. Sometimes, you know, people writing it down, the situation or the anxiety. Like, and, and I'll even say to people in my clinical work, what's... So one of the things you can ask yourself is like, so what's the evidence that everybody hates you? 
what's the evidence for that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So maybe, and then the person said, well, not everybody, I guess. You know what I mean? But in doing that activity, you're also calming yourself down. That's too, right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a whole... It's a whole interesting It is. Dynamic. It's really interesting. Interesting dynamic. So I, I got another question that hasn't anything to do with your work. Okay. But it has to do with your shamanic work. Oh, yeah? I want to know, mm-hmm. why does a shaman need to carry a mesa? And what is a mesa? So a mesa is, um, when I did my training, yes. right? so it's called, I was at the Four Winds uh, Society. Right. And so basically I started out uh, doing training in the South, which is a serpent. The south, and then the west, and then the north and the east is the last one. So the west is the jaguar, right? The um, the north is the hummingbird, mm-hmm. and then the east is the eagle. Okay. So the medicines, medicine and all of that. So the stones, so for each direction, we had three stones. Okay. And the three stones symbolize, like, okay, so the, so the south would be serpent. So serpent represents... You know, uh, you're seeing things as they are, like literally. You're seeing things as they are, but just seeing it without any judgment. Okay. Just see it without the judgment. That's the serpent medicine. And the stones is like when you're blowing your stuff. So you blow your issues and stuff into that in your training. Okay. The stuff that, you know, you felt that you weren't good enough. It's a grounding, like the root, right? Oh, yes, yes, yes. So feeling that, you know, you didn't have enough or you weren't good enough or all of this stuff, right? And you blow all those issues into the stone. You blow it in. And then we put the stone on the on the ground and we, we make a mandala. It's a round, all with nature, like with wow. twigs. Put it inside the circle. We put little things in there. And as the week goes on, we don't touch it. It's baking in the sun. It's in this element's. And uh, we don't touch it until the end of, just before, like the day before we're finished that direction. Oftentimes you'll see that things are moved around or stuff is swept away or the circle is gone. But it's it's clearing out that stuff. Okay. But it holds the medicine then uh-huh. for people when you're working with them. The medicine that, that you blew sense. in, it clears it out and it holds that medicine. And so then, in the for, and so same with Jaguar, same thing. And Jaguar is about being fearless, right? Facing it. Right? Yes. You know? And hummingbird is about lightening up, like enjoying life, seeing all the all the uh beauty like, you know, and, and uh sometimes when we see something that's it looks like a big challenge. So the hummingbird medicine try uh, helps us to see how wow, what an opportunity, what a learning from that or yeah. something. You know, and also the ancestors give us all the messages, right? That's yeah. in the north. Yeah. Well, we get messages from everybody, but, you know, the norm. And then the eagle, eagle medicine, you know, is flying high with spirit. And uh, just seeing the past, present, and future, seeing it for what it is, but from a higher perspective, Wait. seeing it all. So these, so each each uh, direction were three stones. Yeah. And you blow in your, your issues, yeah. and it was cleared your medicine yeah. for each one. Like in West Jaguar, fear, I was frightened of the dark, scared of the dark. Ooh, I'm scared. So... Part of that, you know, or maybe a uh, past things that were going on. You blow that in. Same with hummingbird, you know. And so, and at the end of your training, yeah, uh, you also get an, a gifted stone, and that's from the ancestors. Okay. So it's thirteen stones in it. Wow. All, it's all the medicine, right? And then you get gifted with like uh, you know archetypes throughout your training as well, like the serpent, the, the jaguar, you know, hummingbird, eagle. Uh, Waskar, 
Waskar is in your throat. Okay. Waskar is the Lord of the Underworld. Like, we can go into that, you know. Yeah, and it makes sense. But it's beautiful because in the Underworld is so many treasures, right? So yes. much gifts. So you think about Mother Earth. Think about the Earth. Oh, yeah. I mean, everything grows from the Earth. That's yep. where the treasure is. Mm-hmm. The treasure is inside in the Earth. And so that's where shamans like to go. Yeah, it makes right? sense. Right? Bringing up, and bringing up the stuff, the richness, right? Yeah. The medicine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and then you've got Kessakwaddle. It's like a, a winged serpent is your, is your third eye. Where you can see so in the middle earth, in the middle earth, and then Pachacuti is the upper upper realms, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like everything there is kind of thing. So that's my shamanic work. Yeah. That's fabulous, right? Yeah, and I mean, I do all kinds of things in that, right? All yes, kinds you of do. shamanic work, energy clearing, house clearing, so maybe soul retrieval, all what, of that. What we can do, or maybe would you consider yeah. um, getting together with a couple of people and we could just uh, down the road? Sure. And we could just have a conversation about the metaphysical side of it all. Beautiful. Yeah, sure. What do you think? Oh, yeah. You come back again? Yes. Talk? I'd love to. I'd Ruby, love it's been fabulous. Oh, I'm, I'm so happy. Thank you for having me. And we, you will come back. I know you will. I will. Of course I will. <laughs> of course I will. And I, when we start talking about the spiritual stuff and energy... That's where I shine. That's I where know. my spark happens. I know. I mean, I love the clinical stuff too. I know. You know, I... you're only limited with what you can do clinically, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> wicked. Wicked. Thank you. Thank you. You're Ruby. very welcome. We'll chat again. Okay. All Bye. right. Bye. you so much for that wonderful interview and I know this audience would love to hear more from you and will in future episodes. (laughs) I myself have learned so much from Ruby and what I value most, the most important takeaways from me, are the coping skills she's presented from dreams and nightmares to traumas seemingly insignificant or major. Ruby can teach us and equip us with any and many tools. And at present, on our planet, there are so many reasons, more than ever, to find those tools and to use them. So much has come up to be dealt with in the past six months, from physical to mental challenges that a lot of us never dreamed we would ever have to deal with. The hardest for most are the invisible illnesses that we see that in society, in the past, wanting to sweep under the rug. And I say no more. It's time for invisible illnesses to be given a place where they belong, to be taken care of. All of this is coming up to be dealt with and expunged in this year. This year of 2020, the year of clear sight and vision, the year to dream it big, the year of truth. So that's my little rant just for this week. So next week, what's going to come up next week, I wonder? Will there be a guest next week? Sure, who knows? I'm still going to keep talking. Stop me. I dare you. (laughs) Here's my question to you. Who would you like me to talk to? What topic or topics 
would you like me to talk about? The world is all our oyster. And let's all keep talking. Until next week, you can reach me by email at bettyscottcollinsnlp at gmail.com or by voice message at Twitter, through Messenger, or on any of my Facebook pages. Stay safe, everyone. Until next week.